0: Hi, I'm Kyle Battle, and you're listening to the Monarchist Podcast.
1: I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to the Monarchist Podcast. Today, we welcome Rick French, Senior Associate AD, Facilities and Operations to the show. Rick oversaw the demolition of Foreman Field at SB Ballard Stadium and the construction of Kornblau Field at SB Ballard Stadium. We're stoked about the upcoming baseball season and the renovations that are on the way for the bud, and we know that Monarch Nation is too. Rick, welcome to the best and only ODU podcast.
2: Appreciate it, fellas. This is uh it's a great honor. I'm a I'm a big fan. I actually uh Got to review and listen to some podcasts just uh, just a little bit ago to make sure uh, I got my A game. So I appreciate it.
3: Yeah, well, we really do appreciate you joining us today. Uh, Rick, What we know we got to talk a little bit at the baseball banquet about how you got to Old Dominion and what you're doing. So why don't you tell our listeners your story of how you got to Old Dominion?
2: Sure. Yeah, no problem. So um, I went to school at uh, Western Kentucky uh, University over there in Bowling Green, if if you are not familiar with that, uh, you probably should be. You know, One uh, Chris Finwood also coached there for, for a good while. He actually came in as a coach when I was a graduate assistant, believe it or not. Uh, and so as I as I finished my college uh, master's degree there, uh, I actually went full time. I was blessed to do that uh, at my alma mater, which was pretty cool. Uh, and then uh, as I progressed through, um, I was able to work in facilities and events my, my favorite story is I actually started as a supervisor in the parking lot of basketball games. So it's a, it's a fun fact. It's not a fun job, but you can imagine a lot of airplane kind of traffic parked. So that's kind of where I started, uh, cutting my teeth in the cold and, and whatnot, you know, there in Bowling Green at times. And uh, and then uh, as I moved on, uh, I was able to participate in a lot of different projects there, including a track and field, a football uh, stadium renovation uh, certainly some things at our softball facility and, and baseball. Was, I was really uh, able to d- uh, do that with uh, a lot of mentorship, which was great from my, my previous boss. At that point, we get to 2013 and, and there's an opportunity uh, here at ODU. And it was an opportunity to move up for myself uh, and then uh, for my eventual wife to join me. It wasn't my wife at that point and had to put a ring on it to get her here, right? But in that context, uh, it's been that was a great transition, uh, for us to then move here, come and be amongst folks that we also knew. Um, so short story long now, uh, having worked with coach Finwood, uh, Dr. Wood Seelig, of course, uh, there's actually several others here. My, my friend who's in my wedding was also getting his PhD here, lived in Hampton. So the first like six to eight months I lived in Hampton, believe it or not, uh, HRBT. We all know I traveled that every morning. And, um, and so it was a, it was a cool little cool little homecoming, so to speak, and uh, I had some some good support here. So uh, that was when I came here as the associate athletic director, uh, but was able to tackle a bunch of facilities and event uh, operations jobs right out of the gate. So it was pretty much like, here you go, buddy, when that's drink from a fire hose, that's how I prefer to do it anyway, really. So but that's kind of my story into that show.
1: Well, talking about drinking from a fire hose, that must have been crazy when we're talking about football stadium. Yeah. that happened in such a short period of time before we jump into the baseball stuff is there anything interesting about that whole process that monarch nation might not know about that you could share
2: yeah sure uh there's a lot of fun st- there's a lot of gray hairs in my beard that specifically came from that project uh no it was it was it was very fast uh a lot of things that people don't know is we actually did um a lot of underground utility work actually the summer prior uh so one of the one of the fun things we got to do was, you know do the celebratory shut off all the lights, right? That last game, that was really cool, really good effect. Luckily we had a lot of utilities and things ran and and were ready to go so that we could demolition the next day. What people didn't see when they left was that my staff and I came back the next day. We actually stayed that night, but then came back again. We literally had to get everything that we needed to not get demoed out of the stadium out. And we had a finite amount of time so that they could really start that process on the east and the west side. So I'm I'm pulling stuff out that we've been storing in there for years because a football stadium is a big space that is just traditional for throwing whatever you can in there and, and kind of holding on to it. That was an interesting um, interesting time at that moment. Uh, I didn't sleep, obviously, but one, one thing that was really special to me about Foreman Field, obviously, in that, in that field was the history. Uh, so there's a lot of efforts put in to really hold on to that history and uh, a lot of effort, uh, that I noticed, you know, people were being careful with even the bricks, right? Those bricks were so commemorative, whether you, you know, knew that or not. And it was, it was, it was really awesome, uh, to, to watch people just kind of watch the process because they would either play there. They've been part of an horse bowl something and they were tied to it. So, um, really again, short story long, but that was a couple of things behind the scenes that people saw or didn't see. And, uh, I was never so happy to, uh, Get started on the process, but also watch a piece of history be recognized, which was really cool. I thought that was really neat.
1: What's the most interesting item you guys found when you were pulling in the, everything out of the stadium?
2: That's a great question. Well, obviously, again, the bricks. Everyone really loved the bricks. What was interesting to me was uh, the the actual old brick logo, right? The logo that was made out of brick that was, and there was a lot of effort to try and. Obviously, mimic that, but maintain that. Um, So that was a really kind of cool piece to to kind of see and watch, and kind of come down and and whatnot. Obviously, you know, at some point every brick goes. Uh, What was interesting to me, this is a fun fact: it crumbled. So literally, as the SB Ballard crew was working and using the claws to take it apart, it was. It's it's a very old, obviously facility. It just really kind of became powder and it was interesting to watch how quickly that got demoed uh you know usually it takes i would say a little bit more effort not that it wasn't a a yeoman's effort to get it done but that was interesting to see that happen i don't have any cool stories like we found like something cool in the ground or anything like that you know that's 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 for somebody else's story i didn't want that because we didn't have time (laughs) we had no time for that to happen whatsoever it was really interesting to watch the east and the west sides uh, come down. And I will say that I did share that with my family uh, on the game day building. So the Atlanta Bay football complex, we were watching a little bit from there. And I got to share that uh, a little bit with my with with my wife at that point and say, you don't get to see this every day. This is this is a really cool uh, kind of piece of history that we get to see uh, piece of, you know, piece of history, nostalgia going up. And then I'm very sorry in advance because you're not going to see me a lot and I'm going to lose a lot of sleep. Please forgive me now. So there you go. So that was that was SB Ballard in a nutshell, but it was, man, what a great project uh, and a great facility to go up in record time Um, may never happen again. Right. It It was really cool.
3: So in your role at Old Dominion, one of the things I find interesting is all of the manpower it takes to get the facilities ready and to run a game, whether it's football, soccer, whatever. So I'd love for you to educate us on what kind of like the day-to-day to get the stadium, the fields ready for play.
2: Yeah, that's great. So we are really fortunate to be able to have uh, an athletic grounds crew. Uh, big Mike is our supervisor, of course, Big Mike Conrad. Um, you can't say Mike without Big Mike, right? He's a big part of that with his crew right out of the gate, uh, whether it be an artificial you know, surface or, or a natural surface, does a lot of work. Uh, obviously with baseball, it takes a lot of a lot of hours, but soccer as well. You know, the artificial turf and and SB Ballard, L.R. Hill practice fields, uh, field hockey, lacrosse turf. It's really a lot. Um, We do have um, some full-time staff that I work with that, that we divvy it up and they have their facility prep. And a lot of that facility prep is behind the scenes. It's a lot of like, okay, do we have housekeeping scheduled? Do we have people working in marketing are they good do we have pa announcers is a scoreboard working have we tested stuff it's all the little things that people don't want to see go wrong in the game but that is is important obviously to us to get ahead of but that is a good part of the fan experience as well because people notice right when the, the board goes down or whatever it may be especially if you ever saw our old baseball scoreboard right every time that hamster got tired in that wheel that board kind of had some issues, especially in the fifth inning, right? We all know it. We can admit it. Uh, but then the new board and whatnot, those are things that obviously we check and want to want to make that obviously part of the fan experience. Uh, the other thing we do is we obviously partner with our facilities management group on campus. So there's a lot of things that go, you know, the plumbers, the electricians, all the things that make it. Football is its own kind of country amongst itself when you host an event. Uh, we partner also with Oakview Group, formerly Spectre Venue Management. That group is over a hundred, right? You're you're a game. You got ushers. You've got parking, right? The tailgating is phenomenal. You know all those sheriff's officers, police, like we all coordinate together to make that work as a group. It's a lot of moving pieces, uh, and so with that group plus us, uh, which is really three full time staff, um, not counting the grounds crew, um, that kind of coordinate that, including the visiting teams and things like that. So it's a lot of it's a lot of communication in advance. If you do that part, usually you're okay. At least you have some semblance of an idea of what's coming at you. Uh, And again, it's all the things that people don't see and maybe don't want to see. Some of the things are also in advance of a a season. Some things are, for instance, if you're putting in the new SBC logo that we had to put into SB Ballard Stadium, just as an example, you got to get months and months and months ahead of that. If you don't, you won't get it in time or it's going to interfere with a camp or, or there's certain obviously prime times where you want to get stuff like that done. Uh, and, and things like that are, are kind of what we do uh, from the facilities and then the event prep side kind of ties in with the facility side. I will say this, we have a great sport management program here I'm gonna give a little bit of shout out to them because we also try to tie into them as well as other programs on campus. And we have what are called student, ambassadors that's what we i like to call them event ambassadors as opposed to just student workers because they're the people a lot of times that'll meet you at the gate they'll be the ones ushering a lot of things outside of football and basketball and that type of group is really important to prep and then they learn and then hopefully they go on and take that to a full-time job right which is really cool to watch that at at the end of the day but they're also an integral part of what we do so prepping them and orienting them is also really important to us so that everyone has a good experience, and then they can learn from that. So there's a lot of moving pieces. You know, we're, we're the behind the scenes, but also in front of. So we try to do a lot of that and make it a good experience because we don't want to obviously negatively impact our fans. So uh, that's a really long answer again, but there, that's what we do.
1: I really appreciate that. I know guys like me and Mike, we go to a lot of events, but I'll be honest with you, I'm excited about going. I'm ready to go, get my stuff, call my people, right. But I'm not thinking about all this stuff necessarily that had to happen three hours before, four hours before. Obviously, we see you guys busy during the games, but it really kind of pulls the curtain back and lets, lets folks know exactly how much stuff has to happen before for successful events.
2: Yeah, it takes a special kind of stupid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Mike, do we want to do we want to jump straight into some baseball stuff now, or do you have some other things you want to talk about? I think it's time. All right, let's do it, man. Get it started. All
3: right. So, obviously, the experience with the baseball tournament where we weren't able to host kind of kicked off this whole bud renovation process. Right. Obviously, we started with the study and the design. Can you take us through the whole process?
2: Tell us where we are right now and what's left. Sure. Yeah. No, no problem. It's, uh, it's, it's. Really, a fun process uh, when you get to kind of go from start to finish. So, a feasibility study obviously is where we started. We had uh, different groups we considered, and you know we end up with Mosley, and uh, Mosley Populus, right? And Populus is obviously a big name. You can see it right here on the backdrop, right on my right on my screen. Thought that was fitting, right? As we go through the study, it's it's really an exercise in What's going to make it fan friendly, but also what's going to help us drive revenue as well, create a good experience for the student athletes, which is exactly where you start. If you don't start there, we got problems, which also then, again, bleeds into fan support, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So we had that feasibility study to also give us some costs, right? What do we think it's going to cost, especially in this market right now? Because this market is, as we know, very challenging, very competitive. And the cost of materials has been up for a long time. It's affected every renovation when this is, you know, a 20 million dollar project, right? So we went through that exercise, see what we could see and obviously we landed on that number, some cost ramifications when it comes to that based on that study. So then we could take that knowledge obviously to our donors, fans and say, "Hey, here's what it is. Here's what we think it's going to be. You know, it's not perfect. A study is never perfect. You have to take the bits and pieces and take it to the fan base and say, here's what we got. Now, the other part to that, when you do a study, at least you have a roadmap then when you do the actual design, because the study can be the design or the study can be just a template for the design, because you got to remember the design's done way ahead of time. And design may also be dictated by different things that change in the area or different things that change with code, all the little things that none of us think of that don't know. And that's what the architects and engineers are hired for. So that that was again, fun to get a lot of feedback from a lot of our internal groups, especially, and certainly our foundation, Dr. Selig. Wood was obviously critical in his vision with that. And Chris Finwood, right? You need coach to tell you what he needs. And then certainly John Malans. Big shout out to John Malans for that, because he's been very involved from start to finish. Uh, and, and that's that's been a lot of fun. So fast forward now, we we move with the timeline to – take the architect and engineering firm that's been hired outright for the design and now we move forward into the formal design that then has to go up through all the applicable parties right this is what no one sees you go up to richmond you go through uh, the departments to get through you get the reviews they send you feedback you have to send it back if there's comments things like that there's all these things that no again no one sees which no one needs to see but as we go through the design phase Um, that leads us on a timetable where we want to be able to break ground so that we can open up that stadium. So usually you want to say it takes a year to design, a year to build, right? Hopefully you can shorten the design timeframe and then take maybe a year to build. So where we are with that is we're in design phases. Uh, Again, Mosley Populous is the awarded companies that are helping us with this, uh, same that did the study. And we're, Actually, have a meeting tomorrow, believe it or not. So as we move forward, we're going to integrate those user groups again, those end users, and then we're going to be able to plug those back in and make sure we're all on the same page and and tweak this, that, or the other, put the design to those folks in Richmond so that they can give us that applicable feedback, put the design out, and that's where you hire the general contractor. And usually a general contractor, when you go out to bid, is low bid, right? So whoever's the lowest bidder, whoever's the lowest, most effective bidder that can do the project, checks and balances there, you award, and then you put a shovel on the ground and you get going with their means and methods. So the fun part about it is no matter what you do with this particular ballpark, it's going to be a great experience. We feel like for our fans, you know, you see a little bit behind us, which obviously is the study rendering, but chair back seats, a club behind home plate, which we we're really excited about. Really, everything behind home plate is new, right? So everything from the press box, which is critical, obviously to help us host as well, coaches' offices, a club level, behind the plate, player locker room, which obviously is important, and and then some other amenities, right? Whether it be the chair backs, bleacher backs, some version of that, we'll get into those costs and those ramifications. The cool thing for me is everything between Rally Alley and the baseball hitting facility, you're you're really impacting that in some way. But we're being cost effective in the fact that we're keeping some of the bones so that we can really make our dollars spread the best we can. And again, I'm not the money guy. I just spend the money guy's money right that's my, my probably the finance our
1: chief of staff it's, right? it's always better to be the guy who spends yeah. the money not the guy who has to raise it or manage it you know no
2: doubt no doubt our chief of staff is probably like no man no don't do don't do that to me but uh but it is it is important to spend them wisely because we want to spread it across as much as possible the one thing that i'll add as well we have to be broadcast ready we have to be able to utilize our press box, utilize those filming locations to be able to host. And so when when you have those things, you're ready to go, but you gotta build them in, right? And there's a lot of infrastructure and things that people don't see. There's also gonna be a pitch clock. Pitch clock is coming. So you gotta go ahead and prepare for that, right? Logos, like all the different graphics, all those things tie into it. So the cool thing is, as you go along this timeline, you engage different parties, you engage different subcontractors and then you put it all together. And then you want to get that shovel on the ground and then be able to go as early as possible. Again, leaving about a year to build or or less, we might get lucky and go less, but construction, right. Weather contingent, you never know, but super exciting, right. I mean, the bud 1983, she's ready, right. She's ready for, for us to come in and, and, and alter it a little bit, but keep that nostalgia too. So excited about that.
3: Well, me and Aaron have been doing, to- quite a few baseball games the past few years. We're really excited about this project and what it means for ultimate baseball. We saw the new lights go in this off season. Um, Are there any other changes coming to the bud before a shovel or hits the ground?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, so the lights were huge, Uh, really phase one. I know it's a, a loose phase one. The lights are great. They look fantastic and it's definitely a better light quality. We did install some new netting along Rally Alley. That happened actually in the middle of the season last year, so that was good. Other than that, it's it's really a lot of aesthetic things uh, and prep in the field for the season. So nothing new, new just yet. Obviously, we got to change some some logos around, right? We got to have some some proper things. Uh, we did add uh, some new uh, likenesses to the outfield wall, right for our for our guys that went pro, which is great. Um, so looking looking really forward to that side fact wife is a huge Kansas City Royals fan Vinny. We were fortunate enough to be able to fly to his second series, which was in Detroit, and Vinny was kind enough to sign a bat and give it to my son it was awesome, by the way. So. Big big deal uh, for us, maybe more so than my six year old, but it was fun. That was really cool. But yeah, so those guys up on the wall, we try to do that every time we get someone that 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 kind of makes it to that level and is is either starting in the minors or or pro. So other than that, um, we're we're kind of saving our our ammo for uh, for the new construction, uh, and and that's again that's we're in the midst of that now. So looking for that, I am looking forward to a nice warm day in Rally Alley. I will tell you that's one of my 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 favorites.
1: <laughs> Warm day and a cold beer.
2: Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with <laughs> yeah. it. Anything.
3: Yeah. Looking forward to that. Uh, but in the meantime, it will be cold for these first few first month or so. Of baseball. Yeah, certainly We're going to see the space heaters back in Rally Alley.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Greg Smith, who works with us in our side, he's been. He's been at ODU for, for a while and he he is he's tied into baseball and does our event ops for that. Does a great job. He is adamant about having heaters out there for the fan experience. And it is funny because no matter what you do, you can you could put a thousand space heaters and there's always someone just right, just right up against it. It's just a small group because it's not like they're that big. But yeah, they there'll, there'll definitely be some heaters out there to warm us up in those, you know, February, March. It's always somehow February, that first kickoff is always warmer than March somehow we dip down. I don't know how that works, but uh but yeah, we'll be ready to go.
1: So I know Mike is uh very excited to ask you about some of the things you're most excited about with the the bud and what fans should be excited. But before we get there, I want to just take a step back for a second. You mentioned getting the bud broadcast ready. So yeah. moving to the sun belt, I know we've had a lot of changes, uh, great changes with regards to folks, wherever you are, being able to watch athletic events on ESPN plus. And so Mike, Mike and I have been able to have some conversations with you guys with regards to what it actually takes, what it's going to take to be able to do the quality of broadcast that you guys want to do and need to do for ESPN plus (laughs) broadcasting. Can you share a little bit with Monarch Nation about what kind of what that entails? um, So they have a better perspective.
2: Yeah, sure. No, it's, it, it, again, it's, it started now, right? Like can't wait. So we basically have to do what we need to do now to broadcast uh, broadcast our conference uh, competitions, but have the staff, the talent and those, those pieces available. I know Dr. Sealy mentioned this before, but it, it is spread out amongst all of our sports. So any spring sport that's competing, if they're going at the same time, which includes basketball that won't finish, obviously they're, home competitions until we get into the tournament in March. Tennis is one. We just broadcast that. Those those standards, those elevations really come from our broadcast group that has to have the infrastructure in place, which likely we have a production room that we've been building out and kind of adding on and adding on. And they've done that at a great clip. And now for baseball, uh, those angles that you need when it, when it moves now to that level of broadcast are you know again those four angles right you've got that center field you've got that third base that low third home plate uh, high first and so we'll we'll be able to provide those uh now from the construction standpoint you then translate that into actual construction what does that look like where is that infrastructure where do you not demo so you don't take out that infrastructure is actually really important because that's a lot of fiber connectivity that people take for granted that stuff's expensive right so we want to salvage what we can when the new press box comes along, that's going to be one of probably the most pivotal areas between media replay, because baseball replay is here, right? Yep. 2023, this is happening. So we will have a DV sports system that's being provided by the Sun Sunbelt Conference as part of our partnership. We will have in the current bud replay. So we've got a position for that. Our press box as we have it now, obviously, the accommodations are cramped at best. But... Uh, As we design out that new press box, which we started in the study, you've got those bits and pieces ready to go and infrastructure included. Then you get to do kind of fun stuff like, all right, here's your two radios. Where's your radio go? Where would the talent go? And those things we started in the study so that we could be ready. And to be fair, going back to the regional in South Carolina, to be perfectly honest, I'm taking notes. Right. I was very fortunate to be able to go. It's been ready for a long time to be Broadcast ready, right? Because they've just they've hosted regionally, they, they they were back-to-back college world series champions. So that was kind of fun to take some notes. Doesn't necessarily have to be on that scale per se. That's a big, a big piece of what would make us broadcast ready. But that production room, which is actually housed in the Jim Jarrett Athletic Administration Building is is also a big piece of that because that's that's kind of the brains. That's the hub. So new cameras, new infrastructure, n- new uh, camera operators, make sure we're ready. And then the talent, radio, and obviously the broadcast talent has to be separate. So you're going to have that, uh, that we'll experience this season with our conference competitions. Again, carrying that forward into the future. So we'll be ready to go. And then that translates into showing uh, the NCAA ESPN that you're ready to go for a regional and go from there, right? Regional and super regional. So that that part's exciting for me because, you know, we're all about obviously the content and the broadcasting out. And though I'm not the camera person or the producer, we like to think we're pretty integral in putting the pieces together, right?
3: All right. So uh, Aaron mentioned it. I'd love to hear more about the fan amenities you're expecting them to most appreciate in this new stadium. The
2: things with the fans that I'm, really excited about is being able to offer a comfortable seat <laughs> right at the end of the day we started that probably a while ago if you take the sb ballard experience and you think about what it was and how we were able to add chair back seats bleacher backs right just more comfortable seats you know you you had more space so we're really excited about being able to offer that at a baseball game which quite frankly you don't know when it ends, right? That's not saying in a bad way, but your baseball game could be two hours and 15 minutes. It could be three, it could be four. It could be however long it needs to go. So I'm really excited about comfortable seats, chair backs. I'm really excited about the comfort, but also the ability to close in those wedges that exist, right? And that also comes for our student athletes. So that kind of helps with the sun, which I think is really fun and being able to elevate that. Uh, the other amenities, so I'm really excited about the club level that we're proposing, however it ends up uh, expanding and, and then contracting, however that ends up being in the end. Not just a revenue opportunity, but an opportunity for folks that really want to get in there and really experience that almost season long, because that, you know, it'd be climate controlled. Really excited about that component so that we can offer that that amenity. Again, I go back to the broadcast. I want to be able to still offer quality broadcast. And our angles will change and they will be a little, probably a little bit better, right? We'll have better infrastructure, better things to, to offer from that, better angles. And then player clubhouse, player amenities, huge. People, people discount a mudroom Baseball. I promise you that is one of the most used places on the planet in a baseball stadium that's coming from an old baseball player. It's really cool to have those types of of amenities. Again, however, they end up forming and and fashioning themselves within the the, the final design. Uh, But I'm really excited to be able to do that and for for Finney for coach Fenwood to be able to take that and recruit with it. Right. So not just the aesthetics on the outside, which is going to be fantastic. But that that welcoming feeling. We have to improve our ticketing presence as well, right? So we have that entrance. I want to see that entrance, right? Improve. There's the Parker Avenue 43rd Street entrance. You know, we might need to look at some other other avenues. But there, you know, we need to do some ticketing uh, type operations and some facilities that go along with that. So re- really excited for that piece. And and again for for fan comfort, Rally Alley has been a great addition, right? Rally Alley has been a hit. It, you know, it, it wasn't cheap, fellas. It was not cheap, but it was well worth it.
1: Um, That's all right, because we're paying for it with uh, all the the Bud Lights that that Brock is serving Mike during the season. So we, we've we definitely made a uh, chipping away at that, you know, bond or whatever you guys may have there. But you actually I, let in I was going to ask about Rally Alley. I mean, yeah. Rally Alley is in such a popular area. It seems like where the people who regularly come to games – that's where we always see them. No doubt. Families of players, the players that have come back to watch. It's fitting that it's called Rally Alley because that's where everyone seems to rally. Yeah. Is Rally Alley going to look the same? Is there going to be any adjustments with that?
2: Yeah, good question. So with, with the potential for the future, if we can, I will say that now, if we can, that could become – whether it's with this construction or maybe in the future, it could become an entrance. It could be maybe a main thoroughfare in. Uh, As it stands, obviously, for now, as we go through the design phase, we're going to have to talk about that and see how that may look. You know, eventually you want to kind of create that fan experience, total encompassing area. And John Valens will talk about this too. He and I have talked about it as well. You really want to create that fan experience. We both have families, right? We both have young kids. We go there, even if you don't, you really go there as you said to, to rally together it's 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 really a varying age group over there it's a great group they're baseball people they love it um you know you got a grassy area the kids play things like that so yeah it could it could look very much different in the future the base will be the same right the, what we built already that that will remain because that 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 has proved very successful um especially for um uh, brock and liz brock and liz so they're fan favorites over there in rally alley, uh, with Airmark. Uh, so, um, we will see some change, I think in the future, will it be with the construction project can't promise that, but I definitely think there'll be, there'll be some alterations over there. Uh, and, and ultimately too, I'll tell you this, uh, we would obviously like at some point to, uh, open that area up even further and maybe we, we can move that visiting bullpen even outside and create some opportunities there again, we want to, I want to focus and we want to focus on fan, fan amenities, you know, the, the home locker room, press box, those things that are inside the confines just for now, and then see where our dollars can stretch from there. Cause, uh, but rally alley is a hit. We know rally alley is a hit. It's, it's, it's been that way for a while. And, uh, ironically, we did obviously not this version of that, but we, you know, we had a very successful experience over Western Kentucky as well, that we tried to To mimic and brought over and we expounded upon that honestly because it's that's a it's a pretty fancy deck i'm not going to call that a deck that's a patio that is a patio over there definitely one of our favorite places so that's a great question all right i
3: have
1: a lot
2: of questions i'll change my background for you there you go
1: looks great there we go hold on i'm looking for my bald spot yeah uh i must have missed that one
2: (laughs) somewhere I'm, i'm in i'm in this picture somewhere but i'm not going to show you where i'm at so
1: I'm probably talking to Brock getting my butt light right
2: there. <laughs> I'm thinking so. the
1: same thing and I'm sure I'm getting a couple of dogs.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure this is my stroller from when my son was like a baby right there. But anyway.
1: Okay. And I think I see Coach Chow in the back with the ball cap on. Yeah, could be at a table. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There you go. There you go. Popular place.
3: So I have so many questions I want to ask you, but we don't have the time. I guess my last question will be a double one. So CB kind of took the lid off of the turf. And yeah. we'd love to hear more about that and how that'll make things easier for you guys. But also, I'd love to hear what fans can do to help this project get over the finish line.
2: Right, right. No, that's, that's two two great questions, part, part one and part two. Uh, so yeah, so artificial turf, we've discussed that and have a, a lot of support from our our administration and campus and that endeavor. And again, that's kind of where things are moving, right? Um, And it's not just a maintenance thing, it's a playability thing, especially if you have weather. A lot of times you can rebound from an artificial turf just a lot quicker. It's just the nature of the beast. We are actively looking at that. We're looking at it from a consideration of prior to construction or post. Uh, It looks like we are kind of landing on maybe more of a post construction. So we have all of those Finite lines determined so we can tie the turf in. What most people don't know is you have to tie the turf in to a curving, which usually ties into whether it be your bullpen. It could be some type of wall or walling things that again most people don't see because it's under the ground. We are actively looking at that and pricing it with different companies. There's all the companies that that provide it. Um, we have a lot of different um, options, which which is nice. Of course, the pricing of um, of artificial turf, fun fact is also a lot, of con- a lot of times contingent on oil, oil prices, right? Because of the rubber pellets and things like that and and even the, the fibers themselves. So that gets super in the weeds with stuff and I won't bother people with that. But but as we as we move through this, we certainly want to see that happen. So if we can if we can do that project and if it is after the construction, you know you can look at hopefully a 2025 field renovation uh, outside of the construction project potentially. There's always opportunities to maybe slide things in here or there, um, but it takes its own level of engineering. It takes its own level of uh, of timeline because of how long it takes to produce. We also will have to go under the ground and do a lot of things underneath the ground that would make it basically work, right? So it's all the things that, again. People don't see. It's all the gravel. It's all the different things that are underneath that that make the water uh, go away, right? That make it makes it makes it feasible and easy to use. So yeah, so I would plan on after the construction, but again, we'll we'll keep looking at opportunities even leading up to, um, you know again, the facility guy makes no promises, right? The facility guy makes no promises. But uh, from a fan support, fans have been great. I mean, it's so awesome to see that, you know, be, being here now, um, ten years, almost eleven. Uh, I've seen so much great support and not just, you know, not just the football stadium. I mean, it's been the indoor hitting facility, right. For baseball, it's been rally alley, certainly Uh, the Mitchum basketball facility, which is, is certainly one of the best facilities uh, that I can think of. And I'm biased because I was part of that project, of course, but, uh, and certainly all of it private, that was really cool for me to do. Um, So with that fan support, it's all the little things. Whether it be the dollars for dingers, hey, it adds up, right? Those dollars for dingers adds up. Uh, the the ODAF membership, certainly tying into that is one thing. Uh, and you can be specific. If you're a baseball person, you can tag that to baseball. It's important to help our scholarship opportunities because that helps all of us. And it sounds like that doesn't help baseball. That's completely false. It helps everybody because all of those scholarship dollars go to our student athletes and it's a scholarship pool in general right as far as the baseball project in general to help us get over kind of that hump that line uh the specificity of what john is sending out with the odaf to tie into this renovation uh it's all on the website right you can go to the website go to the odaf website it's on odu sports you can tie it all in uh, and certainly uh, if there's any questions i always tell people if there's any questions just give them a call Shoot them a call, they'll be happy to talk you through it, what your dollars are going to. And it doesn't really matter the amount. Five bucks, 15, 25, it sounds small, it all adds up. You can do a crowdfunding campaign in about two seconds. All of a sudden, those five bucks really, really add up. And that's something that's that's really important uh to, to all of us. But those that want to see this renovation, I think that's that's a great way to look at it. And I'll I'll say the other thing too, you know, advocate for it. If you're really passionate about it. Whether you're in Chesapeake, Suffolk, Virginia Beach, ODU, if you're a fan, if you want to bring your family and you're tied into it, advocate for it. Tell others, say, hey, come on, we're ready. We'll take whatever you can give and then please support it and support, and support the guys, right? Support the support the student athletes because, I mean, that's why we're here. That's why most people are obviously tied into it. They've got a memory of a player, right? We certainly have a memory with our family of, of, of a bunch of different uh, student athletes since we've been here. Um, uh, and they're a great group, which, which comes from coach Fedwood. That's hundred percent where it starts is that leadership. Uh, but, uh, they're a great group. And if there's any other, any other questions, uh, when we start construction, if, if you, if you want a tour, you know, call me. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. No, no, I'm no. We'll, no, we'll we've be-
1: got that documented now. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, <laughs> that's right. it's we'll on, be it's sure on. to post your phone number and no, I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> that's it. No, 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 that's it. No, it's, it's, It's okay. That's okay. It's, it's, it's worth it. So, but, uh, but yeah, that anything, anything helps. And at at the end of the line, that's, that's not being desperate. That's just saying that it literally all adds up. And obviously you can tell hopefully that I'm passionate about it and we're passionate as an administration, certainly athletically, but also from, uh, the campus standpoint. So, um, you know, I do want to make sure before we end, I give, uh, Dr. Hemphill, uh, and certainly would, um, a lot of, a lot of praise, um, and uh, and President, you know Broderick, before um, that, it's been very supportive, uh, and that starts at the top, and that's really awesome. You use the word senior associate athletic director; that's all fancy words for facilities guy. So at the end of the day, I need that support to be able to put it into action with our staff, uh, and certainly our staff is passionate about it. So I, I got to make sure to give uh, again Dr. himpo currently, and um and in Wood obviously. Uh, a lot of credit for, Hey, let's, let's get this thing going. It's been great. That part's been great.
1: So. Before Mike closes us out, I just want a real quick follow-up question. So I know you guys are pretty close when speaking of funding this thing. There's still a gap, still actively fundraising, obviously. Are there any items that you guys would really like to do that might not be completely on the table right now, unless some fans came out and you guys raised more money than what you were targeting?
2: Yeah, that's a good That's a good question. Um, as we go through the design, that might become more prevalent. I certainly think that a new entryway of some kind, maybe a new ticket area, though it doesn't sound as attractive as other things, um, that might be a piece. I think the biggest part for me is with construction costs being what they are and the market that we're in. Let's not take for granted that the money that we're putting into this We'll go, obviously, a long way, but whatever else we can do to help fund, let's impact the student-athletes, right? At the end of the day, we're not going to skimp on providing them, you know, with new amenities. Um, so really, without being very specific to exactly what it could be just yet, because that again, that comes in design a lot of a lot of uh, that general contractor bid that comes back, um, let's not take it for granted, right? Why does it have to be 20? Let's make it 21. Why does that have to be 21? Let's make it 22. Why does that have to be whatever the number may be? So um, to, to answer your question, I, I think to to really kind of hit it home, no pun intended, um, we would we would want to just kind of keep going. Uh, and, and if there's something, I'll say this too, if there's something specific that someone out there really wants to get their hands wrapped around, that's where our foundation comes into play in our ODAF, because you, you may want to, you know, you may want to sponsor a locker. You may even put your, whatever that may be sounds small, but it, 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 would be critical. Uh, and I think that money could go a long way to help with offsetting a cost on something else. Right. So that, that's something that I'm, I would say for for to your question is, Hey, like let's just keep it going. And then I will say this after we get through the project here and We have artificial turf. We're kind of bringing that in with how, if it's in the midst or post, you know, there's going to be opportunities there for the, for that artificial turf as well. Not necessarily just to do the project. You want to slap your name on that. Might be opportunities there. Again, I'm not the foundation people, so I can say that, but, um, but anyway, that being said, I would say just keep, keep it cranking so we can, we can really add some bells and whistles where we can, but get the basics done at the same time. To to really be able to host a regional, host a super regional, being able to provide opportunities and really create that recruiting atmosphere on top of what we're already doing with what we have uh, that I think will will set us apart, especially in this region. I mean, the again, I'll add one more. The recruiting's proven. They've been doing it with what they have. What can we do with a renovated stadium you could only fathom what that could be and that's that's exciting for me too to be able to hopefully provide that or help provide that so
3: we really appreciate you sharing your insight and educating us on this whole process and your job we can't wait to see this project move forward we're so excited thank you again for joining us and go monarchs go monarchs go monarchs, go monarchs.
1: Today, we've got the Norfolk Catholic legend, the former pro baseball player, former head coach of Virginia Wesleyan Baseball, the 2020 Cubs Stan Zelensky Scout of the Year Award winner, and most importantly, the 43rd Bud Matheny Award recipient and friend of ODU Baseball, Billy Swope. Welcome to the best and only ODU Podcast.
0: Hey, Aaron. Hey, Mike. All right, man. Love being here.
1: Hey, Billy, so at,
0: after high
3: school at Norfolk Catholic, you were drafted by the Dodgers and you edged oh, out am. a pretty good minor league career, reaching double A, hitting over 300 in your final year. Can you take us from that point forward so we can get a better understanding of how you got into scouting?
0: Well, I, I was promised when I was with the Dodgers, uh, Ben Wade, who was the, uh, who was the scouting director? Who who basically was responsible for signing me when I was at a high school? He promised me I would get a job. He promised me a job when I decided to stop playing. That originally I was interested in player development, and he told me he was going to give me a job, get me a job over in player development with the Dodgers. Well, I uh, Mr. Wade passed away unfortunately, and then I played like another uh, two years with the Pirates, and um, I just. Kind of lost my window. A lot of things changed with the Dodgers, and uh, then I was uh, went and I was assistant coach for Tony at VCU. And when I was assistant coach for Tony Guzzo at VCU, I Sid Thrift asked me to come work a camp for him, at Christchurch High School over in uh, over in the Eastern Shore, and it was him and Jimmy Thrift and a bunch of other pros and stuff like that. So I went to work work the camp. For him up there, at Christ Church, it was probably about 250 kids, and I worked camp. And um, before the weekend was over, with uh, Mister Thrift said that he goes, "I'm going to get you a job," and within three weeks after that, he hired me. Uh, he hired me with the Chicago Cubs, and that was '91. And I've been with the Cubs ever since.
1: That's awesome, Billy. Especially, uh, you know, you don't see longevity of. People being with one organization like that—that's—that's got to be pretty pretty meaningful to you.
0: Yeah, it is. I—I've uh, been through uh, a bunch of general managers, a bunch of scouting directors, but I've uh, like like I said, this is my thirty first year with the Cubs.
1: So we hear the story about scouts, road warriors, bad weather, and worse hotels in tiny towns across America. It's got to be a super grind. Can you talk to Monarch Nation about what the day? What a day in the life of the scouts like?
0: Well, um, you know, you you um, you map your plan out for the week, and it's usually always good to have plan A or plan B. You know, as you guys know, uh, weather wise or things change. You know, certain guy you might want to come see that day is pitching. Something might happen where he's not pitching, or one of the players you might you're planning on going to see that day might not be playing for one reason or another. So you kind of map your plan out for the week and then, uh, you kind of go from there and, um, you've got to be very flexible. You got to be able to bounce. You got to be able to, uh, sometimes you got to see, sometimes you're you going to see two games in one day. Sometimes when the weather gets really warm, you might, you may be able to fit three in one day. Your plan is basically to try to, uh, Go over your list from top to bottom on all the guys that you have that you have scouted and have follows on going into the upcoming year. I probably have right now. Just for instance, Virginia. I'm going there tomorrow. Right? They move their scrimmage up to Thursday tomorrow instead of Friday because of the bad weather coming in. So I'm going to go to Charlottesville in the morning. Get there for batting practice, and my main targets are going to see. I'm going to see. Uh, Teal, who the catcher, who I've got in as a first-round follow. Geloff, the third baseman, who I've got in as a first-round follow. O'Donnell, center fielder, who I got in as a third or fourth-round follow. And pitcher Early, who i have left-handed Early, who transferred from Army, who I've got as a third-round follow. So my intention tomorrow is to go there and watch University of Virginia scrimmage tomorrow and get a jump on them. My wife teaches at ODU and I'm around here. They're I'm able to get in there. I'm able to get in there and see a lot of BP and see a lot of things on slow days. So I have a pretty good feeling feeling for uh, the guys that I'm really interested in as far as the ODU program.
3: So, what guys on the the current so roster are you seeing have a bright future in professional baseball?
0: I really like the first baseman. Our scout in Florida had him in as a junior college player last year. However, um, I think he's much improved in my conversations with our scout in Florida about what how much better Hunter has become. You know what I mean? And uh, so I, he's obviously on my radar screen. Um, you know, I had I had Wheeler in for the draft last year, the center fielder. So I'm look, looking for big things out of him. Kenny Lavari, uh we had him in when he was in high school. I've watched Kenny. I've watched Kenny quite a bit, and uh, I like Kenny. They've got um, a, a senior kid that transferred in that is the son of Rob Grimes, who played for us when we were at VCU, who, who uh, looks to be poss- a possible uh, senior sign type of guy. And uh, they have uh, they have some pitchers. They have uh, two or three left-handed pitchers and a right-handed pitcher named Cole that transferred for Kentucky that I got my eye on.
1: Hey, Billy, as a quick follow-up, you were talking about being flexible because of weather, schedules, whatever it may be. Generally, when you're going to scout someone, have you talked to the coach or the team ahead of time? So, like in the case you're talking about Virginia, Virginia, are they giving you a call to let you know, hey, we've moved this up?
0: Well, their baseball ops guy is John Hendry. And uh, if you guys guys know, uh, Jim Hendry, was our general manager and my scouting director when I was with the Cubs. He's, a now, he's now assistant general manager to the Yankees, but Jim Hendry I worked for for 10 years with the Cubs. That's his son. But I, uh, I have a pretty good relationship with Brian O'Connor because I've signed several Virginia guys, Guyer and he played in the big leagues in Weber and Weber and several other guys. So I have a good relationship with uh, Brian O'Connor. Actually, Brian O'Connor, the head coach at Virginia, played for Jim Hendry at Creighton when he was a player.
3: Because it sounds like relationships are a big part of your
0: job. Oh, oh,
3: 100%. So Clearly, you and Coach Guzzo and Coach Finwood have a great relationship. Oh, yes. Is there, is there a certain attribute Coach Finwood is able to instill in his players that make ODU baseball guys so worthwhile for the Cubs to take a chance on?
0: They're both very good with their players. They're both players, coaches, and you guys go through sports. Most of the really good managers and coaches are the ones that are the ones that go extra yards for their players. That are known as players, coaches. I was fortunate enough to play for Coach Guzzo in high school. He's been like a second dad to me since I was 14 years old. And of course, Finney, you know I, shoot, I scouted Finney when he was in high school and when he went to VMI as a 65-year-old guy. Now I'm, I'm finding myself. I'm scouting guys' sons that I scouted now and all types of things like that, so it's kind of cool, you know?
1: Can you talk to us a little bit about the relationship you have or have developed over time for guys that you signed from Old Dominion coming through the the Cubs organization?
0: Well, it's funny because I remember when P.J. Higgins and when all these guys were – and Jared Young and all these guys are freshmen. I mean, a lot of times when they're recruiting these guys, Finney will, as they're recruiting them, Finney will have me meet them, and I'll talk to them, and I'll talk to them before I'll talk to them before they even uh, step foot on Old Dominion's campus. You know what I mean? where they're getting ready to come in or whatever, and it's that's kind of been a neat type of thing. And you know, Finney as we come over there to camps, and as we come over there to to to. Sometimes when they meet guys or whatever and like Vinny Pascatino, I had Vinny I had Vinny in when he went to James River High School. I, I uh I I was uh, I was recruiting him because Carl Nottamaker, who was then the assistant coach, had committed Vinny to come to Old Dominion and of course I had a strong relationship with James River High School anyway because my son, who's a scout with the Cubs now, my son played uh on J V as an eighth grader before he went to Benedictine at James River. We lived right over there at the James River section in Richmond. As you guys can see, it all, it all kind of comes together. You know, it all, it's all kind of one big, you know, you know, not, not just a name drop, but it's all kind of just one big thing where you eventually, you know, you get to know these kids and you get to know, and you get to watch them. And, and I remember, uh, you know, Matt Quotrero, when I was a scout, when Tony first took over at Old Dominion, Matt was a outfielder first baseman catcher. And I got to know Matt when he was playing for Tony and, uh, you know, and it's just, uh, it's just, you build, you build relationships over the years and, you know, being, living over here on Magnolia Avenue, growing up in Ghent, I've always, I used to, you know, I used to work out, I used to work out with Old Dominion in the field house when Bud Maffini was coach. I used to run upstairs when the, thing, you know, the, the bark upstairs where you used to be able to run around all the way around. And I've been very familiar with Old Dominion's program for since I was in high school, since Bud Matheny was a coach.
1: All right, Billy. So i, I got to ask this question. Are there any Monarchs that you really, really wanted that an organization just snatched up before you guys could draft or sign?
0: Well, I wanted Vinny a couple of years ago, and I had Vinny in when he was in high school. And then I really wanted Vinny, and I just couldn't get my – just couldn't get my cross-checkers to get on the same page with me on it. Um, then he kind of got off to a slow start a little bit his junior year. And it's kind of funny in this game. They sometimes when you have your cross-checker, you're hoping they'll see him on a good day. And Vinny didn't have such a good day that day. And But I, as an area guy, we still see guys a whole lot more than cross-checkers sometimes that just come in and see a guy once. And uh, I – Really wanted Vinny. Obviously, I wanted Verlander, but good lord, we were—you know—we we didn't pick—we didn't pick up there where Detroit picked. Detroit was like first or second or pick or whatever that year. So, you know, Verlander played for me in the East Coast Showcase. Um, there's been a few guys that I really wanted that I thought I was going to get or had a good shot at. I, I shoot, we picked um, the Mets took David Wright 38, and we were picking 40. I thought I was getting him. And that would have been that would have been tremendous. But there's been a lot of guys over the years. But on the other side of that, I've been fortunate that some of the later draft picks that I've gotten from Old Dominion have done really well. Connor Myers, who I signed right after the draft for, like, you know, late in the draft, I signed him for like $5,000. He played all, He played a couple years at AAA, so he got all the way to AAA for us. The Old Dominion product, I've had a lot of good success over the years with the Old Dominion kids and the VCU kids. I signed V-Mail Machine about five years ago for $2,000, and he's playing in the big leagues with the Oakland A's right now. Justin Bohr I got from George Mason. There's a kid in the area that uh, Tony was trying to get in school he was transferring from Virginia State. I signed him over in the city league. Uh, Clayton Rapata that ended up pitching seven years in the big leagues. It's been really, it's been a really good run. And at one time, when Old Dominion was in the CAA, the CAA was like the third or fourth rated baseball conference in the country. I mean, it was really good. I got Brendan Harris out of Wayman Mary and Sean Marshall out of VCU and. I mean you know, a lot a lot of good there was a lot of good players in that league and, and um one of the things that Old Dominion has really been able to to, to do and maintain, Old Dominion has always been one of the best mid major schools in the East Coast. And they still continue to be, as a matter of fact, them in East Carolina are probably two of the best season in, season out mid major schools in the East Coast since I've been scouting. I mean, of both of them. And VCU, too. Those three, if you look, you, you go ahead and look at it, those three schools have put a lot of guys in the big leagues. And all three of those schools used to be in the CAA at one time.
3: Yeah, ECU, VCU, uh-huh. they play some great baseball. We've oh. been lucky enough to watch this whole Dominion team over the last decade take off under Coach Finwood. Uh, uh-huh. we, over that time, we've been lucky enough to watch a lot of good ball players, guys like Matt Kuhnke and Tommy Bell and Connor Myers. So that leads me to think about what, in your eyes, makes a player draftable or signable?
0: They got tools. Try I I obviously try to sign Tommy. I I scouted Tommy's I scouted Tommy's dad and his uncle when back when they played for Newman. Tommy and Terry. Terry was a first round pick. Tommy's Bell's uh, uncle Terry was a first round pick from Old Dominion when he played. You know they've done a very good job of, of getting good players in and developing them. And it's, uh, the the tradition old dominion has a very good, very good uh, baseball tradition. And um, they do a good job of getting the players in here. let letting them play. And then you're able to watch them and you're able to watch their tools develop. And obviously I'm not signing them unless they can't do anything. And, some of these kids have overachieved. I mean, did you guys see where the other day where Bryce Wyndham who I signed, uh he's been invited to big league camp, big league camp as catcher. And uh Jared Young again well it was called up at the end of the year last year. He's at big league camp for spring training. And of course P J Higgins got traded he's with the Diamondbacks. So uh it's uh they and and they're quality kids. No problem with them, and they're and most of the old Dominion kids have always done a great job of going out and and overachieving. I've been fortunate, and most of the time when you sign those guys, they're going to make you look good because they're going to work hard, they're going to do all the things that they need to do, and you know if they get an opportunity, they're going to they're going to rise to the top, and that's kind of some of the things that I that I look for that I look for in some of these kids.
3: Billy, so I'm gonna. Ask one more question, and then we're going to let you go so we don't take up too much of your day. We'd love to talk more, but we know we don't want to take too much of your time up.
0: Guys, I can talk forever. You guys know that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and we find this so interesting, like the path, all the connections, the relationships, it's really cool. But um, we're fans, and one of our goals is to try to become better fans. So we're wondering, uh-huh. how do you watch the game differently than your average fan to pick out these tools so you know, okay, this guy is legit versus this guy's just very good.
0: A lot of looks, you know, like, like I'm, shoot, I, I don't know of any, any other scouts that I know of, you know, I, I'm sh- sure there are, but you know, like yesterday, I mean, I'm there watching, I'm there watching the whole scrimmage and everything. And I watch, I watch these kids hit indoors. I watch these kids do a lot of things and, uh, I'm able to I'm able to get more looks and able to get more you know, watch watch these kids improve more, you know, like a coach. Finney and I talked, you know what I mean, about how much these guys improve and whatever and all this and we were talking Finney and I were talking yesterday about how much the kid that uh he got from uh, Delaware has improved. Luke was an infielder and now he's playing outfield and infield. And uh, you know, just a lot of a lot of different guys. I mean, shoot, I uh uh, I scouted uh, Robbie O'Neal when he was at Pitt Community College and, and felt like I kind of helped. I told Finney I liked him, and then fin- Finney ended up going to sign him and then bringing him back to Old Dominion. And uh, he's been a very good catcher for them. Shoot, I, I, uh, Tommy Easton, the coach at Pitt Community College, played for me in the Valley League way back, and Tommy was MVP of the – at the Valley League for me, when he was a player at East Carolina, so Tommy's like a Tommy's like a son to me. We could go on and go on and on, guys. One of the cool things about about this job is, you know, like I always say, it's like you know, I I uh, I still got the passion. I still want to sign players. I still love the hunt, and uh, and uh, anything I could do to anything I could do to help help the programs that I that are in my territory and watch these kids develop. I'll do that every day of the week and twice on Sunday, you know, the monarchs have been good. To, that's okay. The monarchs have been good, good to me. I've, I've, uh, had a lot of success getting older, many kids.
3: Yes, sir. And we're, we're really excited to see how these current group of monarchs on the Cubs, uh, progress, especially Andy Garriola. We're really oh, yeah. excited to see his progression with the Cubs. We thank you for your time today. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us.
0: Thanks, guys. Ask me back. I love it. I love to get on here. Like my dad, and my dad used to always say, you know, I could talk a cat off a fish truck. So, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll be, uh, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be happy. I'll be happy to bore you guys, bore you guys to death. You
1: know? No, Billy. We'll definitely have you on, and hopefully in the next few weeks, maybe we'll get a chance to see you out at the bud.
0: Okay. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me. All
1: right, thank you. Hey, go Monarchs.